Chapter 8, Iron Bridge. Undertaker, what on earth are you talking about? Demanded Natalia, who had gone from annoyed to angry. Wait, hold on. Oh, man, I forgot my voices. Actually, you're perfect, Natalia. Well, with Natalia, but remember Ross and Todd? There was something. Yeah, but I don't remember which is which. All right, well, why do you think we have these recordings? (laughs) Okay, so I guess I'll go back and listen. Hello, and welcome to Dad Reads, a podcast where a dad, that's me, reads to his son, that's me, while he constantly interrupts. Yep. Chapter 8, Iron Bridge. Undertaker, what on earth are you talking about? Demanded Natalia, who had gone from annoyed to angry. As long as you stay on school grounds, you should be okay, Ross explained. I just wouldn't wander into the rest of the city if I were you. Look, the island is big enough to hide a school, but an entire city? I don't think so, Natalia argued. A new Victoria isn't on the island. Todd said. Neither is Iron Bridge. What's that supposed to mean? They're both in the land of mist. You know, the in-between place that separates the real world from the Shadowlands, he continued. That's where dreams come from. Really? Ernie asked. Even nightmares? How do you think all those monsters slipped into Avalon? Todd asked. They crossed over from the land of mist. But don't worry, Iron Bridge is mostly safe. Doesn't Ross that assured. negate what's already been said about how they got the Avalon? No. I think it does. I think it negates what they said in the first book. What did they say in the first book? They said that they got the Avalon from the Codex. Uh, that they were trapped inside of. Just the just those fairies, but the other monsters and stuff came in through the mist. No, they were all in the codex. Okay. But don't worry, Iron Bridge is mostly safe, Ross assured. Besides, they locked the gateway to the Shadowlands a long time ago. Most of the really bad stuff gets stuck on the other side. Wait, wait a minute. What do you mean, mostly safe? Ernie didn't like the sound of that. The academy's surrounded by walls that are 50 feet high and 20 feet thick, Ross replied. The only way in and out is by airship. Or subway, Todd added. That's where the Zephyr comes in. What about portals? Max asked. The portals are shut down inside all Templar academies, Todd replied. They say it's a safety precaution. It's more like they don't want the students sneaking out for a night on the town, Ross corrected. At that moment, the doors to the subway creaked open. Max thought he could see Brooke enter one of the cars behind them, but the cloud of steam, the crackle of Merlin tech, and the rush of students made it a confusing scene. Ladies first, Ernie bowed to Natalia. 
Harley couldn't wait, though. He was too excited to see what was inside, so he slipped past her as she scowled. The Zephyr had been a marvel of comfort and luxury in its heyday. It was tastefully appointed with dark mahogany, brass accents, and leather hanging straps for anyone who chose to stand. For those who sat, there were deep leather benches set like parlor couches, some facing one another, some with their backs to the windows. The whole of the carriage was illuminated by the warm glow of Tiffany lamps mounted on the side walls. Whoever had built the subway had spared no expense. Too bad the train was left to rot, Natalia remarked. The seat beneath her was split and covered in mildew. That's not so bad, Harley replied. A little elbow grease and a little bit of varnish. This baby could be as good as new. After three whistles, the doors to the Zephyr closed and the carriage rose into the air on its silvery sled. An instant later, the subway shot into the darkness. Wait a minute, Natalia said, glancing over her shoulder. Half of these people weren't on the platform with us. There are a lot of stops between here and the Twin Cities, Ross explained. The students at Iron Bridge don't have to live in Avalon? Ernie asked. Todd laughed. This is my first time in this boring town, and I bet it's the same for most of us. Avalon certainly isn't boring, Natalia said defensively. What was there besides the shop of antiquities, please? Answer. Give me a break, Ross chimed in. It's just a tidal pool that was left over from the old world. And trust me, there's a big difference between a pool and an ocean. You have to understand, most of us live either in the land of mist or in major cities like New York and London, Todd explained. Compared to those places in Avalon, you barely have your toes in the water. So when are you going to give us a tour? Harley asked, hopeful for a chance to visit Mad Merriweather's gadgetry shop. I wouldn't count on it any time soon, Ross explained. I'm sure there'll be restrictions on students entering the city. How long is this ride supposed to last? Ernie asked. The bumps in the rail were making him feel nauseated, and he didn't want to vomit in front of everyone. Time and distance are completely different in the land of mist, Ross explained. You might as well get comfortable cause we're not, we're going to, because we're going to be in here for a while. As he spoke, the subway train cut into swirling fog. Max noticed everything around them start to shimmer, and then the subway changed. The rotted interior became sleek and polished. Gone was the smell of mildew and the bumps in the rail. Once it entered the land of mist, the Zephyr had returned to all its former glory. That was incredible, Harley said, marveling at the transformation. Not bad, Todd agreed. Just watch out for the rogue portals and bottomless pits. Don't forget about the sea monsters. Ross reminded him. Ernie gasped. Don't worry, reassured Todd, with his nose pressed against the window. The Zephyr will know what to do. The subway emerged into a glass tunnel deep under the shimmering water. Max watched in awe as they sped past sunken ships, schools of exotic fish, and a forest of plants that were as tall as skyscrapers. It's amazing down here, Todd remarked. As long as you don't mind the threat of drowning or... Being eaten by sea monsters, Ross added as he pointed towards a large, lumbering shadow in the distance. What in the world was that? asked Ernie. He felt his throat constricting. Probably a megalodon, Ross observed, and Todd nodded his agreement. Prehistoric sharks like that could bite this subway in half, he followed up with the crunching sound. 
You can stop the theatrics, Natalia scolded. If this subway wasn't safe, the Templar wouldn't have put students on it in the first place. As she finished her sentence, the sound of metal twisting and snapping reverberated throughout the subway carriage. With a lurch, the Zephyr jerked to the side before it slammed to the stop. Students flew to the floor as the lights flickered and died. The car was bathed in murky light that, eliminated the, that emanated from the lake bottom. The monstrous shadow drew near. Most students stared in wide-eyed awe as a few others started pounding on the doors to get out. Robert, the frightened boy from the depot, was among them. Then the intercom crackled to life. Psh! Uh, please remain in your seats. We have encountered a minor problem with the aft turbine engine. We should be on our way shortly. I have turbine, Todd repeated in puzzlement. There's no turbine on the Zephyr. It's run by Merlin Tech. There was another ominous rumble, as if the subway train were shaking itself like a wet dog. Windows began to fracture, and the deadlights overhead swung back and forth. Suddenly, the shark wasn't their only concern. It's the big squeeze, Ross proclaimed as he stood up in the seat. The water pressure, it's gonna squish us like bugs. Well, there are worse ways to die, Todd said casually. Uncle Seymour was sucked into a black hole at the Celestial Cyclotron, and Great-Grandpa Dannon was skewered by a rhinoceros in British East, British East Africa. Look, just because this junky train has been Grimthorpe doesn't mean I have to sit and listen to you two psychopaths read through the Encyclopedia of Death, Natalia scolded. The Todd brothers looked at her blankly. Grimthorpe? Harley pulled Natalia back to her seat. She means that whoever restored the Zephyr screwed it up. And yes, she always uses annoying words like that. As Harley spoke, everyone could hear a low growling emanate from beneath the floorboards. The next moment, Natalia's seat upended, throwing her into the aisle. What in the world? she exclaimed, looking around in confusion. She was the only one on the floor. I think you made it angry, Todd warned. You better be careful. Made who angry? The Zephyr. I told you that train was alive. Are you kidding me? This piece of... Natalia began, but she quickly found Harley's hand clamped over her mouth. The next moment, the lights reignited and the subway train resumed its course. Max yeah. looked around, but the cracks in the windows had been mysteriously repaired and the floorboards were back in place. Todd laughed and elbowed his brother. <laughs> I bet the Zephyr planned this all along. He was just testing us. You know, having some fun at the expense of the newbies. Natalia rolled her eyes at the preposterous notion of a living subway. She didn't buy it for one second. That's not the most preposterous thing you've encountered. That's true. <laughs> Still, she kept her mouth shut for the rest of the trip, just in case. The Zephyr raced through several stops in New Victoria, and, f and a few minutes later it pulled into Iron Bridge Depot. Natalia's book bag was promptly launched out the window by the train where it landed in a puddle. The subway platform wasn't in much better condition than the depot they had left behind, but it was certainly busier. A flock of teachers in hard hats guided the students through a maze of yellow caution tape. It looked like a disaster zone after an earthquake. I wonder who built all of this, Max mused, looking up at the ca ca cavernous ceiling. Fairies, of course, announced the sharp voice of a nearby teacher. She was thin, fitting into her clothes like a blade into a starched scabbard. 
Her eyes were bright, and her white skin was flecked with small red veins near her temples, possibly from too much thinking. She smelled of cats, and her hands were arthritic rakes with glassy nails. Though I dare say machines are more reliable. Now, which one of you is Tweeny? Um, I am, Ernie admitted, voice faltering. The teacher's eyes narrowed and peeped from between two wrinkly bags, and Ernie squirmed under the scrutiny. I am Dean Nipkin, she said, and I believe that we'll be getting to know each other quite well, my little changeling friend. Yes, I've heard a great deal about you. Her voice trailed off as her eyes fell on another student of interest. Ah, the impertinent mongrel has shown up, the dean said to no one in particular. She turned on her heels and clicked towards her new target. Chapter 9, A Cloud of Smoke